You're listening to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Care of You. I hope you enjoy the show. Another train of thought too hard to follow, but try to keep up as we discuss when the pawn hits the conflicts he thinks like a king, what he knows throws the blows when he goes to the fight and he'll win the whole thing for he enters the ring. There's no body to batter when your mind is your might. So when you go solo, you hold your own hand and remember that depth is the greatest of heights. And if you know where you stand, then you know where to land. And if you fall, it won't matter because you'll know that you're right. Often shortened to Win the Pawn, the second studio album by Fiona Apple. It was produced by John Bryan and released by Epic Records on November 9th, 1999. It received a Grammy nomination for Best Alternative Record. She was staring at the sky just looking for a star, but instead, she's here talking to me. Writer and actress Sarah Poulton. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Oh, glad to uh, see you here. So this, um, we don't know each other. This is the first time we've actually spoken. Uh, you have... You're like the first Twitter DM I think I've ever answered. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. So you had mentioned something about Dessa. I don't, I'm not even sure why we follow each other on Twitter. Just one of those things. And you had mentioned Dessa and Dessa's um, A Badly Broken Code is on my wish list of albums to talk about. So I sent you a message saying if you wanted to do that, we were going to do that until about Three hours ago, when we decided to switch to uh, the album we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so instead, we're talking about When the Pawn from Fiona Apple, because you had mentioned that you would talk about anything from Fiona. And this is a little bit more of a, a succinct record. And I thought maybe this would be a better place to start. So tell me, Sarah, how did this album enter your life? So I remember when MTV played music. Uh, for, for anybody out there, it, it stands for Music TV. <laughs> I used to watch music videos like on repeat as a moody teenager, as you do. Mm -hmm. And I always saw the Fiona Apple criminal music video come up. And like the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. But like the 40th time I saw it, I was like, I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> and I need to listen to more Fiona Apple. So then I think by then when the pawn was already out. So I listened to title and when the pawn um, at the same time. And then I couldn't stop listening. Like that was it. That was my life for like a couple of years. Like, and then I, I, from like late high school, senior year into like freshman year of college, that was like on a repeat in my dorm. So people coming in would like hear me just saying that 24 seven. And I love sad music. Like sad music is my jam. <laughs> which is like not really my personality, but it's, it's the best. So that is, and Fiona's, all of her songs are so sad, at least yeah. on this album. Uh, so that, that makes it phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember also seeing the uh, video for criminal. It's obviously, you know, that's a great song. It's, it's very sexy. She's a very pretty woman. Uh, also very talented. I, you know, the first time I remember hearing that song uh, on the radio before I saw the video. And the first time I thought she was like a 65 year old black woman, the first time. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and so when I saw this like skinny little white girl, I was like, what's going on with my brain right now? This doesn't make any sense to me. And it was, I mean, and it was fun, but uh, yeah, just that, that, that voice that she has, she has, it just, it carries so much weight. Uh, you know, she was, I don't, I don't remember how old she was for that first record, but I think she was 19. I was going to say was she, young. she was a tiny little baby essentially. And, and just carried all this age. She just had age in her voice. And I mean that in the absolute best way possible. 
because uh, it was such a sexy song anyway. And just to see that, you know, the, the image was a little bit different than what I had in my brain to begin with was interesting. Uh, and like anything, you know, that first record did really well. And then you always wonder what they're going to, how you're going to follow up something like that. And then just, you know, the, the music business just puts so much pressure on people anyway, but to be just a young woman in the music business and somebody who writes her own songs. And God, I just, even today, I just feel so sorry for Fiona Apple in some ways. And that's, I don't, that I don't mean that to sound as patronizing. It just sounded as it came out of my head, but the abuse that, that she took, you know, when she had the kind of a little bit of a meltdown during, you know, that award show. And, you know, I remember her saying something like, you know, I, uh, you know, cows give milk, I, I write songs. And then PETA attacked her. And it was just like, it was nonstop for this woman. And the fact that she's still in the industry and that she's still creating on her own, you know, what she wants to do, like that record she put out this year is really good. It hasn't spoken to me quite as much as it has to other people. Like, I think it's an extraordinary document. I don't know how much I like it yet, but I love that she is just doing whatever the fuck she wants to do and that she doesn't care. I mean, as far as what other people have to say, she obviously cares about her music. So that's just really impressive. So this one came out and I think I, I liked it, but it just one that I listened to a few times and I kind of shelved it for reasons I don't remember now. That is shocking. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and then just, I, you know, and I, I, I've owned it on CD for a while and I think it's something we get pulled out every once in a while, but just recently I put it, it was like, why have I not been listening to this song constantly, or this album constantly for 20 years? Because it is extraordinary. It is so good. And uh, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to talking about this with you here. So let's go ahead and jump into our track by track analysis. We're going to be looking at side one, song one, on the bound. And maybe some faith would do me good. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't know should I change my mind. I can't decide. There's too many variations to consider. Nothing I do, don't do nothing but bring me more to do. It's true, I do and be my ruin to myself. I make it bitter. And so then this one opens up with, uh, with some piano and some production that sounds this this first song reminds me almost of like an organic Portishead. So without all the, you know, the mixing and the chopping and the and the, you know, the, the overall production of it, just like if if Portishead were just kind of playing. Uh, and obviously that, that, you know, dummy had come out maybe what, four years before this one did. And, and I think was a pretty big influence on a lot of what people were doing. So, but she just has this, as we talked about before, this force and power with her voice, uh, which is not to take away anything from Beth Gibbons, but, you know, just there's, you know, few people have what Fiona Apple has in that voice, even the, uh, the instrumental breakdown uh, at, you know, towards the end gets a little bit kind of circusy almost. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. And I, it was hard to find exactly what instrumentation was going on there because I think this one is just credited with John Bryan with instruments. <laughs> so that's that's definitely his vibe. You, you can see a lot of similarities between title and when the pawn. Mm -hmm. uh, from his influence. Certainly. Yeah. So, you know, she wrote every song on this record. And then he just basically came in and, you know, I, I want to say like she presented this as a whole. She had written everything on the piano and then he just had this kind of vision of, of what else to do with it, uh, you know, with some with some instrumental kind of stuff and, you know, have a Cracker Jack backing band. Uh, obviously not everybody on every on every track, but it's 
you know, just extraordinarily, it just sounds great. And her voice sounds great. And I'm not really a, a lyrics guy. So every once in a while I may mention stuff. So if you have anything to say about the lyrics. I'm so, going to probably be like all lyrics. So we'll excellent. bounce each other out. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, and just like, I, what I love about this, like, so even when, you know, it's getting all John Bryan there at the end, I think her piano really holds it down. And I feel like even without all that stuff, it was just her and a piano. This song would still be fucking great. And, 100%. and it's elevated by the John Bryan stuff. It makes it more of a, like a fun song to listen to. But yeah, if it was just her and the piano, this would still be a fantastic song. So Sarah, what do you think about this one? I, I mean, I love every single song on this album. There is not one bad song. And I, she has not had one bad album, but there's been a few songs, not my favorite, but every song on here is phenomenal. I see a theme more so than her other albums, but within this one, I think there's a more consistent theme and message overall. And, and this definitely starts the album off on a very intense note and a very emotional note and a kind of an angry note. And the lyrics, you could sing them in a way. I mean, there's only one line that really shows a lot of anger, which is hell don't know my fury. They're sung with a very in- intensity and a there's some rage there, but the lyrics are, are really soft and beautiful. Like you're all I need. I mean, you could sing that in a really sweet, beautiful way. She brings so much emotion to the table in this song. And, and I think it, it starts off, the theme I've seen for this album is the sense of wanting to find romantic love, but being not in working order to receive it. And this, I think, shows a really, I mean, this is sort of the beginning of the story in a lot of ways. And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, lay your head in my lap one more time. Tell me you belong to me. But at the same time, you know, there's, you can see that it's not so easy maybe to love her. Uh, and, and she definitely breaks into that even more as you, the album goes, but it, it definitely sort of displays this conflict of wanting and not getting what you want. Uh, and, and I like that. And that works. I mean, who wants to hear something or a story without a conflict, but it, it's also quite lovely and beautiful to listen to. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a great song. Yeah, that is definitely a through line through this whole record. And and there's a lot of bitterness, even when it doesn't sound bitter. This, these, some of these songs don't sound bitter, but they read bitter. And you can tell that there's, you know, she's really conflicted at this point about what's going on. And and, and it's it's being presented as, you know, say adult relationships, even though, it, you know, it was probably just from, uh, you know, a lot of the experiences that she had had over the last couple of years, just, you know, trying to work in the music industry. So yeah, it's, it's pretty extraordinary though, the ways that she approaches it. And there's a ton of, ton of great stuff here. So let's go ahead and move on to track two, To Your Love. Sarah, so, yeah, you? yeah. So to your love, a great follow up to On the Bound. There is a lot of similarities in the way that these songs sound. 
when I was looking back on this, for some reason, I hadn't remembered them to be the same song. <laughs> um, and I was like, wait, and I listened to both of them back to back. And I was like, I feel like you could mix these two. But this song, it really intensifies that theme of wanting love and not getting it. So please forgive me for my distance. The pain is evident in my existence. I mean, this song is definitely big in its word choice and in its emotion. I, I know, I'm sure a lot of people do this, but I like to picture like music videos when I listen to, to songs. Yeah, you do that too. Okay. <laughs> um, not just me. I'm sure everybody's like, yeah, I totally like imagine like a, like a sexy car chase scene and like a big fireplace mansion, love confrontation kind of vibe. Um, but I, I mean, this song, it's kind of funny because it's, the lyrics are actually this one's sad, but they're they're delivered in a way that's definitely like fast and exciting and confrontational and teasing. So I, I mean, it it's really cool. It's beautiful song. I mean, all the songs on here are really beautiful, but there's definitely a lot of similarities in in the music on the bound into your love. And I feel like a DJ could remix these two in a way that's really cool. <laughs> well, you know, if anybody out there is listening and wants to do that, we would be happy to hear it. So yeah. Feel free to feel free to send it our way. And, you know, I really like how this picks up after uh, that first song, because, you know, after doing the show for a little over a year, sometimes, you know, track two can be a little iffy. You don't know where an album is going to go, especially with something because, you know, th this opens up pretty bold. This record, that song one is pretty bold. And then, all right, is track two going to pull it back? Uh, are we going to get like a ballad a little too early or what? No. And, and she just keeps going. And I think this one's even just, uh, you know, a little, it picks up the pace just a little bit. It's a little more driving, but not radically so. And I feel like this, this track two so often really sets the tone for a record because sometimes track one is just this big, beautiful, shiny thing. And then everything else just kind of falls behind it. Or, you know, there's a lot of different things, but I feel like part of the reason why I was really able to get into this record is because track two is so good. Uh, following up that that fantastic first track, uh, you know, just that that velocity. There's some just something here, and I know I wanted to talk a little bit more about lyrics with this one, but it's hard because <laughs> again, we kind of came onto this one late. But she just has so many great word choices, and so you know, just her approach to writing. The line that I love the most is the one you already mentioned. That's uh, you know, please forgive me for my distance. The pain is evident in my existence. It's like. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I feel that one. <laughs> that one uh, that yeah. Was... I was definitely in the fetal position as like a teenager, like you get me Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one thing when you love a, a, you know, a couplet, like when you're 15, cause you're like, yeah. And then even you know, at 48, it's still like, oh yeah. Okay. I get you. That's uh, that, that one still burns just a little bit. So, um, and, and again, it can, you know, I just, I really love the pairing of her and John Bryan here and just how well they work together. And that, again, this one, I feel, uh, you know, probably not quite as good of just with her and a piano, but still you can see what she brought and then you can see what he did. There's just so much to like in this one. So let's go ahead and uh, jump on to track three, Limp. When I think of it, my fingers turn to fist. I never did anything to you, man. No matter what I try, you beat me bitter lies so call me crazy hold me down make me cry get off now baby it won't be long till you be lying left in your own hands this opens up with like the simple piano kind of notes and i'm not a musician as i mentioned on the show all the time so i usually just sort of have to say dumb things that, you know, if you're a musician, you probably cringe at every word I say, but you know, if you're not, then maybe you're with me here. Cause there's like just those simple piano notes. It's just, it doesn't feel like she's playing chords at this point. And so it's a little more, uh, it's a little thin 
But in the background, there's like, I think like a Wurlitzer and a Chamberlain going on. So it has just kind of that weird instrumentation in the background. And then the vocals come in and then the drums come in. And then this album and this song just picks right up. Uh, and there's to get a little bit into the lyrics. I love the way she sings, you know, so that opening, opening couplet that you want to make me sick and you want to lick my wounds. And I love that little pause because you're like, all right, what's, what's going on here? And then it's like, oh, okay. And then just, you know, with the, you know, with the title, you know, this is, this is kind of a single entendre, you know, there, she's not being subtle at all about what's limp <laughs> in, in this song. So, uh, you know, th this isn't, uh, this isn't somebody who needs a crutch or a cane, uh, you know, so being, you know, you know, limp in your own hand uh, is, there's nothing to interpret here. This is, I think, pretty straight on what it's about. And I love that. And I, it's just the way she embraced, like she's so powerful in this song. You know, it's continuing this thing you're saying about relationships and the problems with, with relationships. And she says crazy a lot in this record. And I'm sure she was somebody who got, I don't even, you know, I, she was definitely somebody who got saddled with the, oh, she's a little bit crazy moniker, you know, then that's what people said about her. And, you know, so she's got that. So call me crazy, hold me down, make me cry. She, I feel like she's embracing it. And she's also, you know, she's fine. This is, this is, you know, a lot of the shit that she was going through and the fact that she was able to put it down and, and sing about it so forcefully is, is pretty impressive. Uh, what did you think about this one? Yeah. So I think she, I mean, what she's describing is, you know, whether it's a like literal relationship or maybe it's a bigger metaphor for her, the music industry, but I mean, she's talking about an emotionally abusive situation and she's talking about it from a position of power, uh, which is is really refreshing and nice uh, to, to hear. You know, she's not playing the victim, but she's saying, you know, you fondle my trigger and then you blame my gun, right? So she she's saying, you know, talking about this sort of emotional abuse of being, you know, wounded and then so that she could be taken care of, right? And and I I think so many people experience that in their lives, whether it's, you know, relationship in their life or uh, a situation in their life. And I think this really captures a lot of anger from, from that situation. So she's not coming at it sad, but angry. Uh, and this was a big, I feel like this was the big hit off the record. And maybe I'm totally wrong. Like this music video was really big. And maybe that's where I got the mansion idea because she's like wandering around a mansion in her underwear all angry, like doing a puzzle. I don't know. I was like, this is like full quarantine, uh, Fiona. <laughs> it's really beautiful. And it, it lays out a really complicated situation or emotion in a way that's really clear and really elegant from saying, you know, you're doing this and I'm doing this as a result. And she's so angry. And I, I do think you, you mentioned drums, but I love a good beat almost with the exception of like love ridden, like. I think like almost every song in here has like some really, a really good beat to it, but this one especially has some of the best drums I think of the album. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, some fantastic drumming on this one uh, and throughout this whole record. So, uh, you know, Matt Chamberlain, I think plays just about all the drums on it. And I'm not that, I, I had it confused and I was thinking it was the drummer from uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, but that's Jimmy Chamberlain. So, uh, <laughs> uh, who's also a great drummer, but, and this one, it's like, you know, you're talking about how I cause you know, it's the one thing I think it's not clear because it almost sounds like this could be talking about uh, an assault. Uh, so call me crazy, hold me down, make me cry, get off now, baby. Mm -hmm. And so that baby makes it make not sounds, but it's like, is is she telling him to get off of her or is she saying get off as in, you know, 
whatever. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's, uh, I, I feel like that's purposely left a little bit vague because that also would go towards, you know, the, the anger and the rage that you hear in this song, you know, is this kind of a, a date rapey kind of situation uh, that she's talking about or, or is it just that, you know, kind of an unsatisfied feeling about the whole thing is uh, I think a little bit unclear and, and maybe purposely so, but still, I think uh, I just a, just a great, great angry song. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to track four, the aforementioned Love Ridden. I want your warm, but it will only make me colder when it's over. So I can't tonight, baby. No, not baby anymore. If I need you, I'll just use your symphony. What do you think? So Love Ridden definitely changes the pace of the album, and it, it gives us a little bit of a reprieve, which is nice. Uh, I think if we were to continue going at the same heavy, intense pace, the impact would be lost. You know, sometimes you need a sad moment in a comedy to punch up the laughs. Um, so the, the first three uh, songs come in really, really hot, a lot of anger. And then this one is pure sadness. I don't think there's a drum beat in this one. Maybe I'm like wrong or misremembering it, um, but it, it's her piano and just the agony of missing someone or wanting someone next to you that or specifically, you know, your, your partner next to you, but you have to let them go and, and you know, no, not baby anymore. If I need you, I'll just use your simple name. So, so it's like all those, you know, affectionate, titles are gone and stripped away and, and having to be by yourself. I'm giving up on you. And this is the song I think in a lot of ways has that resignation in it. Um, I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's emotional um, and it's beautifully sung uh, and it's delicacy, but it's definitely, I think it might, I feel like this is her saddest or second saddest songs. I know might be sadder than this one. <laughs> um, I know it might be like the saddest song I've ever heard. But yeah, this one definitely takes it takes it down a notch, which is I think really nice in terms of pacing. I would agree. Yeah. So it starts with that sad piano. I think this is the first one that's actually credited with having strings. Uh, there is a credit for both percussion and drums, but it, I don't. Again, I'm like you. I don't remember hearing drums on this one. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's probably there. And I agree with you in that the pacing, because those first three, like there's there's only so far you can go sometimes where you have to you have to pull it back a little bit. And oftentimes that seems to be track three, but I always prefer it when it's track four. I think three is just a little too early. Like I think you can go with like the commercial single or something that's maybe a little more bright and shiny. Uh, and then if you want to go sad, I think it's better to wait for track four, which he has done. Uh, my only real issue with this song is that this is the first one that doesn't have any kind of thrust to it, any kind of forward motion. Motion. Yeah. Uh, and I wish there was some, I wish there was a hook to this one because after those first three, instead of just feeling like this one is sad, this one feels more plain, uh, even with the strings. Uh, and this is the, the one that when it came time to, to start writing notes, just looking at the title, I couldn't remember exactly what this song sounded like because there isn't that, that immediate identifier to it. It's, and it's a great song and it's, it's well sung, but it's just, this is the first one that always makes me think, Oh, it's that song. Okay. You know, I, I, have to have, I have that moment. If I were to skip a song on this album, if it was coming up on shuffle, I'd most likely skip this one and listen I, to the rest. 
I would agree. Yeah. Same, same here. So it's a, it's, it's a fine song. And I think, like you said, if you're, if you're sitting down and listening to it and I've never listened to this one on vinyl, but I've, you know, I've had this one on CD and if you're just listening to it all the way through, it does feel well-placed, but you're never going to go straight to that song. Yeah, I agree. So let's go ahead and move on to track five paper bag. I was having a sweet fix of a daydream of a boy whose reality I knew was a hopeless to be had but then the dove of hope began its downward slope and i believe for a moment that my chances were approaching to be grail but as it came down near so did a weary tear i thought it was a bird but it was just a paper bag and this one opens up it has that uh, you know scratchy record sound uh so this also has a little bit of that Portishead flavor to it that comes in through the production. But, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people were doing that. I really like this one because it's kind of, I was trying to think of a better word. The only word I could think of the way she sings it is a little bit, it's peppy. And I don't yeah. think that's, that's not exactly the right word, but I can't think of another one, but just, she's got this bouncy vocal and oftentimes she's really forceful. And when she's singing, she's kind of singing at you. And this one bounces a little bit. And I love the difference to that. And, uh, you know, and thinking about this as two sides of a record, and this would be finishing uh, side one. And I like it just sort of kind of it, that it, it goes out with just a slightly different energy and feel. Listening to this, I feel like uh, Feist was influenced by this song particularly, uh, you know, even though I'm sure she loves Fiona Apple and in, 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 in general, but just something about this reminds me a lot of what Feist was doing on that first record. I just, I really, I love the way that she sings it and there's some just, you know, cool stuff. And, you know, we talk, you know, it's like, a, you know, I was just staring at the sky or I was, I was staring at the sky, just looking for a star to pray on or wish on or something like that. And just the way, just the way that bounces is, is just good, but well, they're still having some of that we're still in the same album. We're still talking about the same themes and the chorus is, you know, hunger hurts and I want them so bad it kills. I think this is, this is a really, really great song. What do you think? This is one of my favorite songs on the album for sure. And what I like about it, just kind of like you were talking about the way in which she sings it is upbeat. It's bouncy. It's not very intense, which works, but the lyrics are horrifically depressing, uh, which I love when artists do that. I think Morrissey is like the king of doing that. <laughs> it's not quite at that Morrissey level. Like Morrissey will literally be like, I'm so happy I get hit by a bus. Like, <laughs> um, this is almost there. Uh, it's not quite that bad, but I think I've heard some interviews with her talking about this song and she was talking at, she was like looking up at the sky and she saw a plastic bag and she thought it was a bird. And then she was like, ah, oh, cool. And then she was like, nope, it's a bag. And she was like, that's so depressing, like my life. <laughs> like, man. <laughs> and then she was like, I changed it to paper because like that sounds a little better. I was like, cool. And then a lot of people have commented that, you know, she struggles. I don't know if she still does, but I know when she was younger, she definitely struggled with an eating disorder. And some of the lyrics, I mean, hunger hurts, but starving works. And I, I know she got some flack for that line. Um, but I, I don't think she's promoting eating disorders here, but but when it costs too much to love. And I think that that's really the crux of the album is the wanting so badly to love, but having something in you that is not in working order and able to receive it, uh, I think is probably like the healthiest way I could, I could phrase that because <laughs> I, I wouldn't call like Fiona damaged or anything like that. I think she's lovely and wonderful. Um, but I think she's clearly been through a lot of trauma in, in her life. I mean, even before she was uh, famous. 
Uh, she she had all kinds of, of struggles and issues. And I think this album really, or the song really shows the experience of someone who's been through trauma and wants to have a healthy, happy relationship, but just, you know, is a mess that, you know, he doesn't want to clean up, um, which is such a, a dark line, but it's sung like so happy. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen the music video for this, but she's like, it's really cute music video, but she does like a little like ballroom dance routine with like a little boy in like a suit. And it, I mean, it's kind of like she's calling men little boys, which is is funny. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I like the juxtaposition because you talked about this, the, the line which helped her write the song. You know, I thought it was a bird, but it was just a paper bag. Uh, and then she says later, I thought he was a man, but he was just a little boy. And yeah. that, uh, you know, the, the expectations versus what you really get is, uh, and I, you know, that's subtle and it's far enough away that you may not necessarily, the first time you hear that, you know, realize it's a bit of a callback uh, or, you know, it's like kind of completing the thought, but it's like, that's a, that's a pretty striking line. I love it. Yeah, she's really good at making her point in a way that is just so beautifully worded and elegant, but you understand what she's saying and she's clear. So she, like you said, it's not too far away. It's not too close because she doesn't like slap you in the face with it, but she doesn't make it so confusing that you don't know what she's talking about. So she, she really is such a poet in the way that she strikes that line. And I think that's an experience lots of young women and actually men too, you know, experience when, when they're dating, it's like, you think you found someone who's mature and no, they're not. (laughs) That brings us to the end of side one of when the pawn by Fiona Apple on, I fucking love this record with my special guest, Sarah Poulton. So Sarah, as we said, uh, we, uh, we connected through Twitter, uh, just like I said, going to talk about a different record and, uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the things that uh, you're trying to achieve here with uh, with your social media. Yeah, so I'm a writer and an actress. Uh, I've during the plague, uh, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. Uh, I don't think I'm going to write King Lear, uh, but I'm currently finishing up the first draft of my novel. Uh, so if anybody out there is a literary agent, give me a little, give me a little. Uh, what's up on Twitter uh, <laughs> or Instagram. I'll, I'll take either. But yeah, I've done a lot of uh, short films. If you want to check them out at sarahpolton.com, S-A-R-A-P-O-L-T-O-N. So a lot of, I've done comedy, I've done horror. Uh, those are like my two favorite genres, which really have nothing to do with each other, but what can you do? And uh, I also, I've written a couple of screenplays, uh, one of which has won a number of awards. It's called Stay the Night and it's a slasher film, which is pretty cool. Uh, right now, I I've always have some irons in the fire, so I don't have anything that's like out that I'm trying to like blast, but I'm a fun person to follow on social media. So uh, if you want to follow me at Sarah Poulton on Instagram or Twitter and, and say, hey, if give me a shout out if you heard me on this podcast too, uh, I'll follow you back uh, I'll, and all that fun stuff. That's how we connected. You said if you have a podcast to mention it, and then you would give a follow back. And that's how we started to follow each other uh, a little bit ago. So I knew it would come to me eventually. Yeah. There we so, go. <laughs> all right. So yeah. So uh, yeah. And you are definitely a, a fun, a fun follow. So I would encourage uh, any, any, and all of my listeners to uh, to check out Sarah. I only follow you on uh, on Twitter. I don't do much with Instagram because I'm old. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna flip this bad boy over. Side two, song six, a mistake.
Sarah, what do you think? Uh, I think this is probably her sexiest song of the album. I was so bummed that this one didn't get a music video because I think this would be the best one. I want to see Fiona Apple make a mistake. I want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that mistake is, but I, I mean, I think that would be this. This is ripe for a really fun music video. It's going to um, be a nice, sexy mistake. That's for sure. Yeah, 100 percent. She's not she's not <laughs> like forgetting to file her taxes. Yeah. She's doing something. And you can let your imagine, imagination go there. And I think the whole album has been so heavy up to this point and so dark. And and there is a lot of darkness to this song for sure. Because uh, she's, I mean, she's saying she's going to make a bad decision, but it's fun. This is definitely a, a lot of fun and, and a good time. So this would be, this is a good, like, this is my road trip. You know, you're driving around listening, you're cruising, you're listening to mistake and you're like, I'm going to make a mistake, but I'm not going to make a mistake because I'm like the most straight laced person alive. <laughs> but <laughs> um, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm bad. Like Fiona, but I'm like on my way 10 minutes early, you know, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I only got there nine minutes early. That was my mistake. There you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I have like, this is just a cool, sexy song. That was the first thing I had in my notes. And I think this is the most owing to trip hop. You know, I brought up a uh, Porter set a couple of times, but this just has that real bubbly, but dry, you know, you could hear this one in a club uh, in your head. So, and this is one I ended up, I used to, for years, I would make like mixed discs or, you know, so before playlists or, you know, after tapes, I would make mixed this for my sister uh, and I would make them like one with uh, all female singers. And so I ended up with a lot of stuff uh, that may even be how I ended up buying the CD because I wanted to include something from this on it. And uh, instead of going with one of the singles, I ended up using this song because it matched up well with a more Chiba song, if I'm remembering correctly. So it wasn't what I went in thinking about doing. Uh, but yeah, so just I, I love the uh, the instrumentation on this one. Her vocals are so great. And like you said, and, and the, when she's talking about making a mistake, like you said, it's not something boring, but it's also it, it doesn't also feel necessarily dangerous. This doesn't feel like you know, I'm going to do something that's going to destroy my life. It feels like college mistakes that she's talking 100%. about. 100%. You know, I, so like, I always imagine, I was like, she's going to sleep with a teacher for an A plus. 100%. That's what she's yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, or sleep with a teacher. It's like, or I'm going to accidentally make out with 10 of my friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, something 100%. like that. Uh, you know, so it's not like I'm going to destroy my life on the way out the door. It's going to be like, I'm going to be kind of embarrassed tomorrow is how this one it feels. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what, make, like you said, even though there, it is, it is a bit dark, it's something about that production and the way she sings, it feels like, okay, it's dark-ish and super fun. She does, she does sexy and sultry and slinky really very well. Uh, and you got a lot of that on title. And I think this is the first, one of the first times you get that real kind of, uh, you know, sexy vibe as opposed to, oh dear God, make it stop vibe uh, <laughs> as, as far yeah. as how she's feeling about the particular relationship that they're talking about at this moment. On to track seven, Fast As You Can. I let the beast in too soon I don't know how to live without my hand on his throat I fight him always and still But darling, it's so sweet You think you know how crazy, how crazy I am You say you don't spook easy You won't go, but I know And I pray that you will 
And I love this one. This has such a great tempo. Uh, and this is the one it's, it's got like a real fast piano because usually her piano playing is, is a little bit more sturdy or steady or, or, or slower depending on the song. But this one just feels like it's, it's running. And uh, I love the pace of the chorus. Uh, you know, so the beat on to the next uh, and to the next verse, because it, it, she's got that, you know, she does the chorus and then there's that kind of quick pause and then start again. And I just love how the, just how quick this one is. And I believe this was a single as well. I usually I make notes of, of which ones are singles and I forgot. So I, this is one that I remember hearing before actually, I think before I had the record or one that you, you'll hear out there. And this is one of my favorites on the record. There's just a lot to like about the song. I think another one that is, is well-placed, whether you're listening to this on, on CD and so it's track seven, or if you've, you know, if you flipped a record over and it's the second track, as we talked about, you know, uh, track two on the record, and this would be, you know, track two on, on side two, kind of has that same thing where it's going to really, it, it picks it up goes a little bit faster than what the song before it did and and for for its benefit what do you think well the song is called fast as you can and it's fast so yeah. that's good uh it's very clever this is one of i think she has like a, a mode where she'll write a song that's uh witty and clever and i think this is is one of them uh and again the lyrics are really sad and crushing and trigger warning i mean this directly discusses some of the abuse that she had when she was assaulted at at age 12 i mean she she talks about you know let the beast in too soon and she's she's mentioned um that that's what that lyric is referring to so i mean you think about it saying that she is struggling and in some ways, you know, it's kind of this dark force, right? And you, you think you know how crazy I am, but she's saying like, you need to go because I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna mess you up. There is something that's really playful and fun in the way that she delivers like such an upsetting message. Uh, and I think one of my my favorite and probably my favorite moment of the album is when this song gets quiet and she sings. Sometimes, you know, my mind doesn't shake and shift but most of the time it does that moment in the song is so soft and beautiful i mean to put that soft moment into the song and is really punctuated by the drums and the the piano and the furiosity of the rest of the song it's kind of the eye of the tornado yeah and this was a music this was definitely a single and it was a music video and i remember she's like swallows a match in it (laughs) she like puts the match out in her mouth (laughs) which i mean yeah that's pretty crazy fiona (laughs) Um, this is a great, this is a fun song. This is a, I, I definitely would have like one beer in college and, and sing this song drunk <laughs> to my friends. <laughs> All right. Well, good to know. So if we ever meet, if we ever meet in person, then uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. So, <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to track eight, The Way Things Are. I wouldn't know what to do with Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, the way things are, this is definitely one of, this is a sad song, man. And it's delivered in a sad way. Uh, And I think this is showing her inability to escape, you know, the social situations that she's in and the way that she feels. But there's also a little bit of a like, all right, you're going to beat me up. Go for it. Like, it's so resigned. 
And it's sad, and but it's it's sad in a way that's like she's kind of given up. This is definitely like you're crying, you know, you're crying and you're eating ice cream while listening to the song because like your teacher called you on, you know, in class and you didn't like know the answer. Maybe that's how I, I that's how I listen to it. It's pretty upsetting. I enjoy the song quite a bit. And I think this is when you can, it's easy to miss how upsetting it is. There's a few different things going on this one. This is one of the first songs where I think the, the guitar is pretty pronounced, at least at the very beginning. So it opens up with a, a bit of this guitar riff and I, there's guitar throughout the record, but we've never once mentioned the guitar at this point. We're on to track eight of 10, <laughs> of 10 songs. And so I think this is the first one that has a bit of that. And uh, so she opens up with that, and, you know, but there's also the piano and the, uh, and the instrumentation, but I also feel like the chorus here sounds pretty shiny. And if you're not really listening to what's going on, if you're just kind of listening to the song, like you're going to bob your head a bit to this, <laughs> to this chorus. And while there's a ton of darkness in the lyrics, there doesn't feel to be very much darkness in the music itself. This also feels very much like an album track. Like this is one that this is track eight of 10. This is never going to get a single. It's not necessarily one I think a lot of people would, would go to. I feel like this occupies a place on the record and it's bringing you to a certain place while still being a really good song. Uh, I just think that this is this is one of those that, uh, you know, like you don't always need a, you know, it's not going to be a greatest hits. You, you need those album or those songs that kind of fill a place. And I feel like this is one of them while also being, like you said, this is, this is pretty dark as she does throughout the album. Doesn't necessarily sound that dark until you really, I guess, you know, take a, a closer look at it. Yeah. Fiona doesn't have like filler songs. All of her songs are good, but this is probably the closest you'd get to a filler song for Fiona. I feel like for another artist, this would be like their A plus, but Fiona's <laughs> it's like a B plus, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think when, when you, when you're putting together a record, you know, you need to, you need to have those songs that move you from one place to another and not, not everything needs to be the big, super great song. I mean, of course, you know, there's a ton of albums that every song is great. I think this is one of them. Uh, I think there's just, there's two, you know, there's a bunch of a plus, or there's a bunch of a, a, a plus songs. And I think there's two B plus songs and this is one of them. I agree. So let's go on to track nine, get gone. Cause I do. But you're not benefiting And yet I'm sitting Singing again Sing, sing again How can I deal with this If you won't get with this I'm not gonna heal from this He won't admit to it Nothing will figure out I gotta get him out It's time the truth was out That he don't give a shit about me And this is another one that opens up with uh, Kind of like a different style piano More of like a plucked piano And this is, it reminds me of something that I can't quite put my finger on. At one point I thought maybe it sounded a little kind of Ben Folds five-ish, but he tends to do like kind of bigger, brighter stuff or something. I don't know. So it was just something about the piano uh, sounds just a, a little bit different. Uh, and then there's just those. So it's like kind of like that hushed plucked piano along with the brushed drums. So everything is kind of very quiet and something until like the vocals come in. And then that pre-chorus is so good. And then the way it goes into the chorus, this one is just great. Cause I like how it, it starts slow and then it kind of just builds up and 
this is one of those times where she is really showing you her emotion again. Uh, you know, we've talked a bunch about how she kind of like, even when she's, if it's bitter or dark, she's kind of hiding it because she has such a powerful voice and the way she's singing. And I think now she's using that power to really show, you know, when she does that fucking go, I left the room the first time I heard that because I didn't know if she was talking to me. So I figured it would just be safe to leave uh, because it, it's forceful. <laughs> it's powerful. Uh, and it's true. I mean, I just, you know, I, you can almost feel like she's, you know, before she sang that line, she's looking at a picture of her ex-boyfriend or something and working herself up because, you know, there's great actors who have never been able to deliver a line as well as she delivers that fucking go. Uh, so I just, I love so much about just the way this song is built and put together. And this is another one where, uh, I just, you know, I love that combination of her and John Bryan on this one. And what do you think about it, Sarah? Yeah, this song, I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities to Limp uh, and this song, but I, I actually prefer Get Gone uh, to Limp. I mean, they're both great. You can't you can't go wrong. Uh, but the the lyrics in this are very simple. Uh, you know, they're they're not as complicated, and, but the emotion is simple and. The delivery is very intense. It all works really, really well. Like you said, like you're like, I got to get out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine being Fiona Apple's ex-boyfriend? Could you imagine that? I I would, I, I don't think I could handle it uh, personally. Unless, although, I don't know. Well, we can unpack that later. But I was going to say, I think, I feel like Jonathan and her are cool, but that's a separate issue because it's a different album. She just wanted to go to Coney Island then. Um, but this is like, I mean, it's time the truth goes out that he don't give a shit about me. It's like, damn. <laughs> um, I mean, she definitely roasts, she roasts her ex on this song. And I gotta, I gotta give her props. <laughs> I feel like everybody at some point gets to the, gets to this level or can relate to this song. It, it's great. It's a really good song. Yeah. And the way she just kind of, she blows out her voice on this one. And it's like right after that, you know, so that he don't give a shit about me. And so that second verse, you know, like how many times can it escalate? And, and, and just by the time she's finishing those, those final lines, like her voice is at its very edge. And, you know, for somebody who has such a powerful voice and such control over her voice, this is obviously something she chose to do very particularly. And I'd love that because it just, it feels ragged. And, you know, that's a, you know, that's an argument that's happening at, you know, maybe three o'clock in the morning or something when you're just really at the edge of everything. Yeah. So good. Often joked on the show that if your favorite song is song nine out of 10, the artist generally disagrees with you. I don't feel that this is the case here. I think this is a highlight on this record. You know, I yeah. don't, I don't know if I've actually chosen a favorite, but this would definitely be in the running for it. So it's a, it's a good one. So let's go ahead and finish up the album here. Track 10, I know. So be it, I'm your crowbar If that's what I am so far Until you get out of this mess And I will pretend What do you think? Uh, so uh, out of all of her songs, I have noticed that I know is most likely to be covered by other artists. And I, I've thought a lot about, this is what I do in my spare time, but I've thought a lot about why, why would that be, right? And I think after listening to this multiple times again uh, and, and pondering this, this song is the way that she sings this song 
is brilliant. I mean, each line she'll sing soft and then she'll scoop up with intensity or, or opposite. You know, she, she'll add a little growl in her voice. I mean, she takes each line on this and sings it in a way that is so beautiful together, but the passion that she sings in this. And I think a lot of other artists, um, I know she did a special with Elvis Costello and she sang one of his songs and he sang, I know he chose, I know. And I don't know, I haven't seen anyone cover the song and do it as good as her. And that makes me, and I, I mean, Elvis Costello is obviously amazing, but I think when you cover a song, like you need to like bring something better to the table. Uh, and, and this one is tough to do because she is so emotional and so delicate with her passion, with her delivery. I mean, she can be quiet and have her passion and intensity be at a 10, which is really hard to do. This song really showcases her talent as a singer. I mean, she she's incredible at all of these, but to me, this song, the way that she sings it uh, and the level of difficulty, and she, she doesn't have to make it as difficult, right? She, but she does so to, to tell this story. And this song really tells a story for beginning to, to middle to end. And the story is, is really sad. And, and, you know, that she knows that this guy is cheating on her, but she's not going to say something and she's going to let him figure it out. I mean, that's wild. That is wild. I, I mean, it, it's a, a journey. It's a journey. And she's clearly very crushed and hurt by this. But, you know, she said, my own suggestion, I will ask no questions. Like, whoa. Like, it's so powerful. The way she delivers lyrics is so powerful. I can see why they decided to end the album with this song. There's there's no way you could put this song in the middle of this album. It's just hits every mark. She's just the way in which she delivers this powerful story is, is unbelievably brilliant. And, and I, I have yet to see someone do a cover of it uh, justice. Yeah. I didn't realize that this is the kind of the go-to cover for her. So, uh, cause you, you talk about the song bringing you on a journey, you know, this whole record, I think brings you on a journey and you're, I had the same note that this song could not be anywhere else. This is a great closer. Uh, as I've said a million times, I'm a sucker for a slow closer and I like an album that, that that finishes with a point. So whether you're going out on a on a slow note or a down note, or whether you're going out with a huge bang, I, I feel like that you can tell how much thought really went into the placement of the record by looking at the first track and the last track. And that's you know this album does a great job with both of those. This this opens up with a bang. This finishes with something. It sounds like the album is over. This this sounds like it, it's a, a completing the thought. Uh, and as much piano and uh, is on this and, and the way she sings, this is the first time I would describe a song being jazzy. So it has the you know kind of those jazz elements to it. And you know he said she just 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 the way she sings this one is so great. I love what an album kind of brings you out. And there's been plenty of records I've done where it's like you know the last song is a good song, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the last song. And, uh, you know, I, I like when you, you know, it's the last chapter, you know, you know, you're going out on something and she's bringing you out on something here. And it's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And one more thing on this, you know, the song is so clever in the way that, you know, she keeps saying, I know, or I'll know, I'll know. And then at the very end, she says, you don't need to say it. And then she, that's it. And she doesn't say it. And I've heard a lot of covers where people will actually sing, I'll know. And I'm like, dude, you, you don't need to say it. Don't like she tells you, but it's just so clever to do that, 
to put it in and then you wait for it and it never comes. And that fits, that fits the story really beautifully. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. That brings us on to our final thoughts. What do you got here, Sarah? Uh, I love this album. If you haven't heard it, uh, you've got to listen to it. Fiona Apple does not have a bad album. So I keep her on on my streaming list, uh, 365. But I love a I love a sad song. Um, you can always tell like when my husband has been in my like Amazon music because like it gets real peppy, and, like hitting <laughs> skip. <laughs> um, so like, hey, what the heck? And my music is just like so pathetic and sad. But, uh, you know, even if you're not in the mood for a sad album, you just want something that has beautiful lyrics, beautiful singing, great instrumentals. I mean, this is just such a great album. And I think also uh, it really captures a lot of heartbreak and you could tell that she's trying to to work through something uh, in her life. And that's something that I like. If you listen to all of her albums, you see her progress and grow as a person. Uh, And this is one of her earlier albums. So I think she's got a lot to learn about life and about herself, um, even though God help me, she is so much wiser than you know I was at that age, or maybe that I am now. And she really is a pure talent. You know, you think about I'm a writer. I've been writing my whole life, and I'm just now like okay. You know, Fiona was so young putting this together, and it's just pure unadulterated talent, uh, vocally, you know, in her piano, but as a writer, she is top. I mean, she is incredible writer, uh, a a real legend. And I, I'm excited that she's become with her new album, you know, she's sort of back in the spotlight because she, she really has lasting power and, and has a wonderful, wonderful uh, gift that, that, you know, we're, we're so lucky to have. So yeah, I love this album. It's one of my favorites. It it could be her best album. Uh, That's such a debate. That's tough one. I think it depends on your mood, but definitely keep her on a 365 like me. I can't remember if I said this at the beginning of the show, if I was talking, you know, before we were recording, you know, this is an album that I had, I had listened to, you know, uh, you know, plenty of times, let's say in, in the late nineties or early two thousands and just kind of shelved it. And I'm sure I, I came back to a song or two, but it was only really in the last couple of months that I, I revisited this record mainly because of a show called records revisited and just found how much I loved this record. And it kind of almost took me by surprise. I figured I would like it, but just listening to it, it was like, no, I, I love this record. And she is an extraordinary writer uh, and maybe an even better singer. I mean, I think she's somebody, her voice is so good. She could get away with writing mediocre lyrics, you know, yeah. I mean, cause just the, just the power and control and, and, and everything that she can do vocally that she could just write a bunch of garbage probably and still like, yeah, that was, that was fucking good, you know, but the fact that she also just has a way with a pen uh, makes it just that much better. Uh, and then just the production choices and her piano playing and this, it sounds maybe vaguely dated, but not in a bad way. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, she wrote the album in 1999, you know, and it sounds a little bit like an album that came out in 1999 and that's fine because it's not, you know, there's no, there are no bad choices here and just the, uh, the flow of the record. And he said, even, even the two songs that are, are merely a B plus are in exactly the right places to be, to be B plus rec- uh, songs. You know, but they're like a Fiona Apple B plus. So for another person, they would be like an A plus. Certainly, yeah. certainly. But I mean, just really just following the flow of the record. So, I mean, this is one that, you know, I, I put on and, and let it go. I don't, I don't often cherry pick, even though there are some songs you could cherry pick out of this one. So it's uh 
it's a fantastic record. And again, if, if you haven't listened to it, if you kind of slept on Fiona because, you know, you just thought she was kind of that, the, the, the crazy, the crazy girl in the late nineties, correct that mistake and uh, go ahead and, and listen to this one. I would like to encourage all of my listeners, of course, if you've made it this far to uh, you know, like, review, rate, whatever it is you're supposed to do for podcasts or maybe more people will listen, I would appreciate that. And of course, you should also go visit my guest's website to find out all the things that she is doing. And that is, of course, sarahpolton.com, S-A-R-A-P-O-L-T-O-N.com. That's the way that one works. It's sarahpolton.com. And you can find out she is a writer and an actress and uh, a one-time podcaster, but that's that's in the past. She's moved past it uh, where well, I'm still stuck right here. So Sarah, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. This was so much fun. Even though we kind of flipped up the record only a couple hours ago, I think that was the exact right choice. Uh, it's been a ton of fun exp- uh, you know, re- exploring this record with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. You can find all of our episodes at lovethisrecord.com. Intro and outro music by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers.